The following episode may contain language that is not suitable for certain listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cells and Circuits podcast. I am your host, Chibeze Anakor, and on this episode, we'll be talking about my Toonami wish list for 2021. Then after that, we'll get into the future of Android smartwatches. And then after that, we'll get into cloud gaming mergers and acquisitions. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. All right, so the day that this episode releases is actually my birthday. So I turned 25 this year, and what better way to celebrate my quarter century than to talk about one of my favorite television blocks of all time. And of course, that block is Toonami. So in this segment, we'll get into my Toonami wish list for 2021. But before I get into that, I want to talk about what Toonami gave us in 2020. So Let's go into the packaging that Toonami gave us in 2020. We got we got quite a few things. Um, we had the, of course, the Black Lives Matter speech, which sent waves throughout the anime industry, especially um, you know in the in the blurred communities because a lot of black nerds grew up watching Toonami, myself included. So that was very awesome to see and hear Tom say Black Lives Matter. That was so dope and it meant a lot to me as a black man and as a black man who is a fan of Toonami and still is to this day. So very glad for that. Um, we also got some game reviews of games like Animal Crossing New Horizons, Doom Eternal, The Last of Us Part Two, and Hades. And then we also got, we got some more packaging, um, but um, I, of course, can't remember off the top of my head um, all of the other packaging that we got. So let's just move on into the series that we got. So in the series department, we got we got some good we got some good stuff in here, um, especially for stuff that's new to Toonami. Um, so first up, we had Paranoia Agent, which had previously run on Adult Swim back in the mid two thousands, I believe. So. It was great to see that come to Toonami, and yeah, it, or considering that that was the first time that I saw Paranoia Agent, because I don't think I caught it back in the mid-2000s when it first aired, um, I enjoyed Paranoia Agent. Um, you know, it may not be everyone's cup of tea, but I enjoyed it. 
Um, and then also we had Ballmasters 9009, which is an Adult Swim original um, that just happened to rerun on Toonami. And considering that Ballmasters is an anime parody series, um, it fit pretty well into Toonami in my book. Um, though, of course, it didn't finish its run, which I think it only had like one or two episodes to go before it finished its run. So, oh well. Um, hopefully we'll see Ballmasters get a complete run on Toonami in the future, but um, that remains to be seen. And then next is Sword Art Online Alicization War of Underworld, which I mean, I hate Sword Art Online, so <laughs> we're just going to move on from that. Um, and then after that, we have Gamusetu Death Beats, which actually premiered on Toonami um, and is a sequel to Gamusetu Machu Picchu, which is a show about tennis. Um, Death Beats is not about tennis, um, but... It is a good sequel to Machu Picchu, and like Ballmasters, it's also an anime parody series with some pretty funny jokes in it, um, and it is also a Western cartoon, so it's nice to see Western cartoons get some love on Toonami. And we have one more Western cartoon to talk about, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um... So shout out to Maxime Simonet. I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right, and I apologize if I mispronounced it. Um, go give him a follow. Um, his Twitter is at MorningJazz69 on Twitter. Um, so yeah, give him a follow um, and show your support for Gamusetu Death Beats and Machu Picchu as well. Um, the next up is Assassination Classroom, which I'm surprised it took Toonami this long to get Assassination Classroom, but I am happy to see it on the block none or nonetheless. So, um, yeah, very glad that Assassination Classroom is on Toonami. It fits very well. Um, and yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. Um, and then last up is Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal. And finally, finally, we got Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal on Toonami. Granted, it was only for one night, and that was to promote HBO Max. But it was very nice to see that Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal could be aired on Toonami after all, because initially, Gendy Tartakovsky didn't want Primal on Toonami, and so it had to be aired on Adult Swim proper for its premiere run. But now that, um, now that Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal Season 1 is over at least its premiere run is over um that restriction has been lifted so 
it's fair game for Toonami, at least for season one. Um, so that's great to see. Um, I'm very happy about that. Um, and I hope we see more Primal on Toonami in the future. All right. And then next up is a category of content that I didn't think we would see on Toonami, um, but we did. Um, and that's movies. So, Toonami aired six movies in 2020, which is just way more than they have in the past few years combined. So, that's very nice to see. I'm very happy that we got some movies back on Toonami and their DC movies, which is also great because... Toonami used to air DC movies a lot on Cartoon Network back um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, mid to late 2000s as well. So it was awesome to see DC movies come back to Toonami. And I hope that continues to happen in the future, even when there is not something to promote. Because that's something that all of these DC movies that I'm about to mention that aired in 2020, um, that's the kind of situation that they found themselves in. They aired on Toonami because there was something to promote, um, whether it was DC Fandom or Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max. So um, the movies that... Tsunami aired last year, and keep in mind these are all DC movies, are Batman Year One, Batman The Dark Knight Returns Parts 1 and 2, and then Batman Gotham Knight, and then Wonder Woman Bloodlines, and Justice League The New Frontier. So all of those movies aired on Tsunami in 2020, which is great to see, um, especially because Warner Brothers directly owns Toonami now, thanks to the reorganization of Warner Media that put Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, and Boomerang under the Warner Brothers umbrella when they were previously under Turner Broadcasting, which is now dissolved pretty much. Um, but yeah, I hope that Warner Brothers continues to utilize Toonami even when there isn't something to promote. And I'll get to that in a bit. But now let's get into what I want to see in 2021. And, um, like we did with the 2020 retrospective, I want to get back into the packaging I feel like 2020 was very light on packaging, um, especially with um, the lineup promos and the speeches and the criminal threats videos and the music videos. Um, but I think that we could definitely see more of those things in 2021, and I hope we see more of those things in 2021. 
as well as some other Toonami content like um, animated music videos, considering that um, we've had a lot of animated music videos come out thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic that pretty much forced all live action um, productions to just freeze for a little bit. But yeah, I mean, all of these things, the speeches, the lineup promos, the criminal threats videos, the music videos, all of these things help distinguish Toonami from its streaming counterparts like Crunchyroll and Funimation and um, and High Dive and things like that. So I think we could definitely see more of those. Um, they didn't. They did enough game reviews. So you know, if they could continue that, um, that would also be good. Um, and then also. Um, I would like for them to refresh the um, the show packaging more often because that was something that, um, especially in the Tsunami Faithful community, we definitely noticed that um, the bumps that air in between shows weren't um, weren't being refreshed enough. Um, but, you know, 2020 was not exactly the best year. So, you know, it, I, I, I understand. But hopefully in 2021 that gets rectified and we get more bump refreshes more often, especially as new series come to the block. And I'll get to that in a bit. But, yeah. And so speaking of new series... Coming to Toonami, there are something or there are some news series that I do want to come to Toonami um, in 2021, and and all of these are anime because um, Western cartoons just aren't being made, unfortunately, outside of streaming platforms. So that's something that I would like to see change. Um, I would especially like to see that, um, now that, now that, um, Adult Swim has, or is directly under Warner Brothers and now has two animation studios that could supply it content in Cartoon Network Studios and Warner Brothers Animation. So... Um, especially Warner Brothers Animation, and I'll get to that in a hot minute. But um, some news series that I want to see on Toonami include Jujutsu Kaisen, Apare Ranman, Decadence, Akudama Drive, Yashihime Princess Half Demon, Psychopass, and I know Psychopass may not come to Toonami for a while especially due to the um, all of the protests against police brutality. You know, you definitely don't want to air a show about cops during a time when approval of police is 
very low. Um, so, yeah, definitely would understand if they didn't air that. Um, so, um, yeah, Psychopaths. Um, and then also, I would like to see the heroic legend of Arslan on there, um, Gangsta on there, Blood Blockade Battlefront, and Drifters. So the last five series were older series that Toonami may have overlooked in the past um, that I would like to see on the block, like Assassination Classroom, which is currently airing. That is a previously overlooked show, um, and I'm glad that it's on the block, and I hope that Toonami takes that direction even further um, with airing shows like the previous five that I just mentioned. Um, but I also want to see some new stuff like the former five that I mentioned. Um, and I would also like to see some continuing series on Toonami. Excuse me. Particularly My Hero Academia Season 5, which I'm very sure we're going to get um, and then The Promised Neverland Season 2, which I'm pretty sure we're going to get that one too. Um, Megalobox Season 2, which, yeah, I'm positive we're going to get that as well. Um, and then Mob Psycho 100 Season 2, which is a bit iffy because the rights are licensed by Crunchyroll and Adult Swim has had... Um, some troubles getting the rights to shows that are licensed by Crunchyroll, but hopefully with the Sony acquisition pending at the time of this recording, hopefully when that acquisition has closed, those rights issues can start to untangle and we can get Mob Psycho 100 Season 2 on the block because... It's been a long time coming. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then up next are movies that I would like to see on Toonami. So, again, um, with 2020's movies, um, they aired because there was something to promote. And since Warner Brothers is premiering all of their movies on HBO Max the same day as they premiere in theaters, that presents some opportunities for Toonami to show some movies, particularly some DC movies. But I'll also get into a couple of anime movies that they could air as well. Um, and so... First up, we have Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge, and this could be aired to promote the live-action Mortal Kombat movie that's going to be coming, I believe, in April. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that could happen, but we don't know. Um, and, like, and like anything that I mention in this segment... Like, I'm not for sure um, that these things are going to happen. I would just like them to happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge would be a pretty um, dope movie to have air on Toonami. Um, and then next up is the Animatrix, which could be aired to promote the Matrix 4, which is also coming out later this year in theaters and on HBO Max. And while the Animatrix has aired on Adult Swim before, it has not aired on Toonami at all. Um, so I would really like to see that, especially after Toonami aired Batman Gotham Knight last year. Um, the anthology kind of movie um, thing really works well with how Adult Swim presents their commercials. So Adult Swim usually has one commercial break in between shows. So I think that would work very well with the Animatrix as it did with Batman Gotham Knight last year. And so next up, I would like to see Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, which could be aired to promote the Suicide Squad movie that's coming out later this year in theaters and on HBO Max. Um, so the Suicide Squad, um, I think that's going to be a huge event for DC and Warner Brothers and Warner Media as a whole. So it would make sense that Toonami would do something to celebrate it. I would probably guess that they would be, um, you know, they would probably be forced to doing that. Um, but if it means we get DC content on Toonami, I very much look forward to that. Um, but then after that, uh, we have... Justice League Doom, which could be aired to promote the Snyder Cut of Justice League, the 2018 movie. And um, not only would that be a great way to promote the Zack Snyder Justice League movie, it would also be a great way for Toonami to honor the legacy of Dwayne McDuffie. Um, because he had a part to play in that movie before its passing, or before his passing. Um, so rest in peace, Dwayne McDuffie. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are my picks for um, animated movies that um, Toonami could air. Um, and then we can get into anime movies that Toonami can air. So, um, with, so with Bleach scheduled to come back um, in a new iteration called Burn the Witch, um, I think this year would be a good year for Toonami to um, air two Bleach movies that Adult Swim has never aired before. Um, so Adult Swim has previously aired the first two Bleach movies, which, if I remember the names of them correctly, are uh, Memories of Nobody and The Diamond Dust Rebellion. So this year, 
Um, I would like for them to air Bleach Fade to Black and Bleach Hellverse because neither of those movies have aired on Adult Swim in any shape or form. So I would like to see that happen on Toonami. Um, And it's not like there hasn't been a precedent set for this before because um, Adult Swim or Toonami, I should say, had aired um, the Full Metal Alchemist movies um, when they had never been aired on Adult Swim ever before. So, so I could definitely see that happening. Um, but then again, those movies would probably cost them money to air, whereas with like the, the DC movies... It probably wouldn't cost Toonami anything to air, considering that they're now under Warner Brothers directly. So, um, so they would have to pay uh, Viz Media for the Bleach movies, which, um, depending on their budget, they may not be able to do. But that's something that I wish would happen. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean... That's it for the movies. So now let's get into other things that I want to happen on Toonami. And first up is a partnership with Warner Brothers Animation for Western cartoons based on Warner Brothers' IP. So, of course, by Warner Brothers' IP or intellectual property, I mean things like DC Comics, Mad Max... Dune, etc. Um, so we know that we're already getting a Blade Runner anime, um, which I can't wait to see this year. Um, but I would like to get some Western cartoons on the block too. And Warner Brothers Animation is a very talented studio. And we've seen that with um, shows like Looney Tunes cartoons, Harley Quinn, Mike Tyson Mysteries, the Animaniacs reboot. We've seen what Warner Brothers animation is capable of, and I would love to bring, or and I would love for them to bring their talents to Toonami. Um, and so, Warner Brothers, if you're listening to this episode, please, please, please. Make that happen. (laughs) Um, And then next up is an update on scavengers and any other Western cartoons that Toonami may have in the pipeline. So um, we haven't gotten any updates on scavengers in quite a while. It's been years since we've gotten any updates on scavengers. We know that scavengers... Um, is based on the short that um, AdultSwim.com has on streaming right now. So I will link that in the show notes. But um, it's a very artsy, um, very... um, Yeah, it's very artistic, very colorful, um, and it definitely shows... Um, it definitely shows the talents of the creators of that short, and I would love to see 
scavengers be a full series um but we just we haven't gotten any information on that in years so um i would love to hear at least some sort of an update um or you know see a sneak peek of it or um even get a release date of it um that would be nice um but yeah just some update on scavengers or any other Western cartoon that Toonami has in the pipeline, whether it's from uh, Cartoon Network Studios or Warner Brothers Animation or a third-party studio. Um, Whatever they have in the pipeline, I would love to hear about it because while I love that Toonami is getting more into original content, with the anime, um, I would love to see some Western cartoons as well. Um, but I'm still hyped for Uzumaki, Blade Runner, Fena, Pirate Princess, and the Shenmue animated series. Um, so, yeah. More Western cartoons on Toonami, please. Um, and then last up... Um, I would like to see some more reruns of Western cartoons. So now that Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal Season 1 is fair game for Toonami, thanks to um, Season 1's premiere run being over, I would like to see that air weekly on the block. And then I would also like to see more reruns of things like Samurai Jack, Ballmasters, and other Western cartoons um, so that Toonami is not just anime. And while I love anime, um, I also just want to see Western cartoons on Toonami. But that about wraps it up for this segment. Let me know what you think on my predictions for Toonami in 2021. Do you think that there's something that I missed? Do you Think that there are other things that they could add to the block, like shows or movies or other packaging that they could add. Let me know what your thoughts are on social media or on Discord, and we can continue the conversation there. Um, The link to that will be in the show notes right below that subscribe or follow button, depending on which platform you're listening on. But yeah. That is going to do it for this topic. Up next, we'll be getting into the future of Android smartwatches. Then after that, we'll get into cloud gaming mergers and acquisitions. The Cells and Circuits podcast will return in a moment. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free, so, I mean, doesn't get any cheaper than that. Second, there are creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm editing this podcast from a Chromebook using the web, so it's pretty easy to do. Um, If I can do it, you can certainly do it. Third, Anchor 
will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more services. So you don't have to go to each individual podcast service and distribute it yourself. It automatically does that for you. So that's pretty awesome. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, I mean, it's a pretty good way to make some money. Um, And then last but not least, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app for iOS or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started or download the app for iOS or Android today. This episode is brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. It provides podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o and be sure to add the Cells and Circuits podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application, which really helps out the show. Hey, Cells and Circuits listeners. Did you know that we now have a merch store? It's true. In partnership with Bonfire, we've launched the Cells and Circuit shop where you can find t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. So hit the link in the show notes to visit the Cells and Circuit shop and start getting your merch today. It really does help out the show. Thanks for your support. And now, back to the show. Now it's time to get into the future of Android smartwatches. So for those of you who don't know, outside of the Apple Watch, which only works with the iPhone, Android smartwatches haven't really been able to come close to what Apple has offered with the Apple Watch. I mean, the only one that is even in somewhat near the same ballpark is the Samsung Galaxy watches. And that's because Samsung makes their own silicon for their smartwatches. So with that being said, um, one of the competitors or one of the competing OSs besides Samsung's Tizen and Apple's Watch OS is Google's Wear OS, which is formerly known as Android Wear. So Wear OS has been having problems recently, um, particularly up until last year, where some of those problems have been solved, but not all of them. So Wear OS's problems... um, have to do with performance, battery life, and fitness tracking. So performance, Wear OS hasn't really been very good at um, 
performance. Sometimes apps would take very long to load. Sometimes, you know, they would crash. Sometimes it would freeze. It's just, it's a lot. Um, And it's, it's not an experience that I would recommend um, to, or at least Wear OS hasn't really been um, a smartwatch OS platform that I've been able to recommend to people in a very long time before I had the current watch that I wear right now, the TicWatch Pro 3, which that one is the only one that runs Qualcomm's new Snapdragon Wear 4100. And because of that, it's the only one that performs very well, probably as well as some of its Samsung counterparts. Um, and, And it's one of the only watches on Wear OS that can compete with Samsung watches and you know the Apple watch as well so I mean it has good performance it has good battery life now the fitness tracking um is an iffy issue because ah, crap um sorry um my phone is um freaking out because um it uses the Google assistant But anyway, um, or I should say, anyway, um, my smartwatch, the TicWatch Pro 3, does have good battery life and it does have good performance thanks to the uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon Wear 4100. So I'm able to get about three days of battery life out of this watch. And I haven't really performed any hit, or excuse me, I haven't really noticed any hits to performance. Um, like, it, or Wear OS pretty much flies on this thing, so, um, so I'm happy with this watch, and it's probably a watch that I'm going to keep on my wrist for a while, at least until, um, Google makes a Pixel Watch, but until then, um, I think that this watch will stay on my wrist. Um, And with that being said, um, fitness tracking hasn't really been um, that great. Uh, Google Fit is not really a great app for tracking fitness. it's just, um, it's just not a great app, um, especially after Google had taken away one of the main um, features that allowed it to track um, repetitions of exercises. Um, it just axed that functionality. I don't know why Google axed that functionality, but it is what it is. Um, and um, you just have to deal. Um, thankfully, only or I only use my uh, smartwatch to track runs and bike rides and stuff like that. But other than that, 
Um, I don't really use, or I don't really use it to track uh, fitness all that much. I mainly use it for notifications um, and also to check my heart rate and to um, and to um, control media and also um, I use it for Google Pay um, when I don't ha- or when I don't want to reach into my pocket for my phone. So that's nice too. Um, but anyway, what does all of this have to do with the future of Android smartwatches? Well, a recent development has happened and I'm sure that, um, it probably got lost in the shuffle of all of the inauguration news, um, and stuff like that and CES, but, um, Google has acquired Fitbit. Um, And this happened on January the 14th, I believe. So, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be saying um, the G word a lot. So, um, here, let me just try and put my phone there. So, um so won't be able to hear me. Um, anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, Google had acquired Fitbit um, for $1.2 billion, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, it was $2.1 billion, sorry. $2.1 billion. Um, and even though certain governments around the world are still... Um, investigating the acquisition. Um, I do think that um, the future of Wear OS and, well, yeah, the future of Wear OS is starting to look a little brighter and I'll get into the reasons why in a bit. So, um, so what does this mean for Wear OS? Um, it mainly means that Google will likely start to give Wear OS more attention to make it more competitive with the Samsungs and the Apples of the world. So with um, Google um, now having a hardware team um, that's focused on smartwatches under their belt in Fitbit, um, I think that this could definitely lead to better Wear OS watches and um, it'll give Google the technical know-how to start tracking fitness better. So, um, and I'll get into that in a bit, but um, also what this means for Wear OS is that there will most likely be a made by Google smartwatch on the way. So, Chances are it'll probably be named the Pixel Watch, um, you know, just to um, or just to um, accompany the Pixel phones and the Pixel books. Um, I think it would make sense that um, Google would just name it a Pixel Watch. Um, And I would personally love to see that come out. I would love to have one because I currently own a Pixel phone 
and I own a Pixel Book and a Pixel Slate, so um, a lot of Google devices. <laughs> um, so I would love to have a watch. Um, and speaking of um, made by Google smartwatches, we may also see Google made chips for smartwatches. So um, now that Google has a hardware team focused on smartwatches and with the rumors of Google making its own silicon for the Pixel phones and the Pixel books, hopefully someone at the hardware team at Google has enough common sense to say, hey, like this this is an area that we've been struggling in. Um, let's make some chips for our upcoming Pixel Watch or whatever smartwatch comes out of the Made by Google brand. Um, I think that would very much um, help with competition, especially in the smartwatch silicon space, because right now, Outside of Samsung and Apple, Qualcomm pretty much has a monopoly on um, on smartwatch chips. So it would be nice to see Qualcomm get some competition so that um, they can be pushed to do better. Um, and, it, and it would improve the Wear OS experience for everyone, not just... Um, people who own, you know, these hypothetical Pixel watches, but also people who own uh, Mobvoi watches, like the Tick watches, or um, people who own Fossil watches, or people who own um, the Moto 360 watches, um, like, like just better smartwatch silicon um, will make the entire... Um, Android smartwatch marketplace uh, just better um, and it'll better position it to take on things like the Apple Watch. So I think that would just be very good for the smartwatch industry, period. Um, and then also, I think we could see better fitness tracking via Google Fit. So, like I said earlier, Google Fit isn't really that great at tracking fitness um, outside of maybe um, runs or jogs or, um, or maybe like bike rides and stuff like that. I probably wouldn't trust it for things like strength training um, and things like that. Um, so... Hopefully, um, with the experience that Fitbit has in tracking fitness, we hope that that knowledge gets to transfer over into the Google Fit team um, and Google Fit just gets better at tracking fitness for its users um, and that would just be better for everyone, um, at least everyone who uses Google Fit. And then I also think that um, the Fitbit app 
could probably make its Wear OS debut. So with Fitbit now being part of the Google family, I think that um, Fitbit would probably, or I think that the Fitbit app would make sense on Wear OS. Um, and I'll get to why that may be um, in a bit because, or actually I could just get into that right now. Um, in case Google wants to um, ax um, Google Fit at some, or at some point, you know, the Fitbit app may replace it, um, and you could be, um, able to import your data from Google Fit or something like that. Um, I think that's possible just because Fitbit already has that built-in user base that it's acquired over the years, um, and so it would just make sense for Google to take advantage of that um, and just bring Fitbit over to Wear OS. Um, but uh, what does this mean for Fitbit OS? Um, I think that more Fitbit devices will come in the short term to appease regulators um, because regulators are fearing competition or fearing that the Google acquisition of Fitbit would harm competition, even though, you know, Apple kind of owns the smartwatch market pretty much. Um, so, like, you're worrying about two last place competitor. Yeah, two last place competitors in the smartwatch space combining when... Apple is just out here dominating the smartwatch market. Um, so, uh, yeah, I do think that Fitbit devices will definitely be made in the short term to try and appease regulators um, and ensure that um, there will still be competition between Fitbit and Google's own uh, Wear OS devices. Um but what I also think that, um, or what I also think would happen is in the short term, Fitbit devices will probably see deeper Android integration um, because, or just because they're now owned by the company that makes Android. So, I mean, that would most likely be a given. Um, and lastly, or not lastly, but um, I think more Google services will come to Fitbit devices. So we've already seen that the Google Assistant will come to, uh, or is already on Fitbit devices. And there's a plane in the background. So anyway, um, we've already seen a lot of Google services 
um, or we've already seen the Google Assistant come to Fitbit devices. So I think we'll see more Google services coming to Fitbit devices in the future. Um, so I think all of the ones that are currently on Wear OS will probably make their way over to the Fitbit devices at some point. Um, but then I also think that Fitbit Pay will probably be replaced with Google Pay at some point. Um, and it just, it makes a lot of sense, right? Um, Google Pay already um, processes transactions and um, it just wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense to have two payment processing transact or um, services operating at the same time. So um, I think Fitbit Pay will probably be axed and Google or Google Pay. Ugh, Google Pay will probably take its place. Um, so um, that's what I think. But those are all of like what I'm speculating to happen. Um, and then what's unknown would be um, what Google's long-term plans for Wear OS and Fitbit OS are. But one thing's for certain is that one of them will definitely go away in the future. Um, excuse me. Whether it's Wear OS that goes away or Fitbit OS that goes away remains to be seen. But one of them is going to be the long-term smartwatch OS um, that Google operates. And so um, features from the outgoing OS, whether that's Wear OS or Fitbit OS, will probably be ported over to the remaining one. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, again, I don't know whether Google plans to axe Wear OS or Fitbit OS in the future. My guess is they'll probably axe Fitbit OS in the future, but let me know what your thoughts are on social media or on Discord, and we can continue the conversation there. I'll have a flow page link in the show notes right below that subscribe or follow button, depending on which platform you're on, and we can continue the conversation. Um, but that's going to do it for this topic. Up next, we'll be getting into cloud gaming mergers and acquisitions. The Cells and Circuits podcast will be right back. Are you a small business looking for a financial platform to do business on? Check out Payment, the first black-owned financial platform where you can do things like sending invoices, accepting payments, and more features will be added in the future. If you watch Trigger Warning with Killer Mike on Netflix, you know that money stays within the black community for an average of six hours compared to the days and sometimes weeks that other communities get. So if you want to bring or keep money in the black community, join Payment, that's P-E-Y-M-Y-N-T, 
at the affiliate link in the show notes today. Hey, Cells and Circuits listeners. Want to support the show without having to buy any merch? Well, you can do that by buying us a coffee. All it takes is just one U.S. dollar to help support the show. So click the link in the show notes or go to ko-fi.com slash cells and circuits to help make the Cells and Circuits podcast a better show for you. All right, so last up, we have cloud gaming mergers and acquisitions. So let's talk about it. So according to Thurot.com's Brad Sams, and for those of you who don't know, Thurot.com is a news or a journalism web, or ah, is a news site that's specifically geared towards Microsoft-centric items. So think Surface devices, um, HoloLens, um, particularly Xbox, um, Windows, um, things like that. But anyway, according to Thurot.com's Brad Sams, Microsoft, Google, and Amazon are rumored to be buying game studios to bolster their cloud gaming lineups. And this makes sense, especially in the wake of Microsoft's historic acquisition of Bethesda or ZeniMax uh, Game Studios, which is still pending at the time of this recording. But regardless... Um, This shouldn't come as any surprise. Um, If you've seen where the gaming industry is going, a lot of people or a lot of companies are starting to take notice of things like cloud gaming. Um, And in 2020 alone, we had a lot of cloud gaming providers enter the space, such as Amazon Luna, Microsoft xCloud, which is part of Game Pass Ultimate, and then you had NVIDIA GeForce Now, all of which followed shortly after Google got into the cloud gaming space with Stadia. But anyway, um, uh, but yeah, um, they're going to be um, some major acquisitions that are going to be occurring within the next few, maybe months, years or so. Um, So I'm going to be speculating which studios I think could be acquired. And before I get into it, I should shout out that um, the Nerf Reports video inspired me to do this. So um, the best way that I can think of thanking him or thanking Bryant Chappelle um, for inspiring me to do this is linking his video in the show notes right below that subscribe or follow button, depending on which platform you're listening on. So let's get into all of the speculation. So first up, 
Um, the first studio that I think could be acquired is Asobo Studio, which is a French developer that is behind games such as Microsoft Flight Simulator, ReCore, and Rush, a Disney Pixar adventure. And if those games don't make it pretty obvious who I think is going to acquire them, well, um, I'm just going to come out and say it. I think Xbox Game Studios or Microsoft is probably going to acquire them. Um, it would probably be a no-brainer acquisition for Microsoft, um, and it would fit very well within the Xbox Game Studios library. Um, so with that being said, let's get into the next one, which is Rebellion Development, which um, is the developer that's behind the Sniper Elite series, the Zombie Army series, and Strange Brigade. And because these titles are very popular on Google Stadia, I think that Stadia Games and Entertainment, or Google, will acquire them. Um, that seems like a pretty obvious move, and like Bryant Chappelle had said on the Nerf Report, um, it locks in um, Google Stadia's most popular game, which for those of you who don't know, is Sniper Elite 4. Um, which is made by Rebellion. So it would be a no-brainer acquisition for Google to acquire Rebellion and make or and bring the Sniper Elite series in-house. Um, but up next we have Remedy Entertainment, which is the developer behind Control and Quantum Break. And I think because both of those games are AAA titles that um, could really differentiate themselves. Um, I think that the front runner for um, a possible buyer would probably be Xbox Game Studios or Microsoft, um, simply because Remedy would give Microsoft like a very talented studio um, and just um, locks in um, sequels for games like Control and Quantum Break. Um, though, I mean, I could maybe see um, Stadia buying it, but um, neither, I mean, but Control... Um, the only multi-platform game that I mentioned um, of Remedy Entertainment's titles is um, is not even on Stadia. So I don't even know if Remedy and Google Stadia have a working relationship or not. But um, but yeah, and I um, and I don't know if. Amazon would acquire it either, but I guess we'll see. Um, the next developer that I want to mention is Tequila Works. So Tequila Works is the developer behind titles like Guilt, Rhyme, and The Sexy Brutal. 
So, um, so my or my prediction as to who could end up um, buying Tequila Works um, would be Amazon Game Studios, and this would make sense because um, aside from guilt, which I'll get into in a minute, all of um, Tequila Works' games are on Amazon Luna. So I think it would just make a lot of sense um, for Amazon to buy up that studio. However, another company that I could see buying up Tequila Works is Stadia Games and Entertainment or Google. Um, So... Um, Tequila Works gave Google Stadia its first exclusive in Guilt. So, um, according to an article by GamesIndustry.biz, um, um, apparently, um, with Guilt, um, that was the first um, or that was the smoothest launch of a game that um, Tequila Works had ever had. So, um, and right now, or still, over a year after the game's launch, it's still a Stadia exclusive. And Stadia funded the game um, to be completed. So, I think if Google could extend that partnership into ownership that would benefit them very well um and it would also secure games like rhyme and the sexy brutal on stadia um because those games aren't on the platform yet um but that's my thoughts on that um next up is moon studios um, and just like Bryant Chappelle had said, like, I thought they were owned by Microsoft as well, but they aren't. Um, they are independent. So, um, and Moon Studios is the company behind the Ori series. So Ori in the Blind Forest and Ori in the Will of the Wisps. So I think that it would be a no brainer for Xbox game studios to acquire it um it would make ori the more cutesy face of the platform um especially since you know like master chief being the face of the platform may uh turn off some people from getting an xbox i think a more cutesy um mascot could probably help people, you know, be more, um, attracted to the Xbox brand, but that's just me. Um, let me know your thoughts on social media. Um, next up is Supermassive Games, which is a studio that, or which is the studio that's behind the Until Dawn series. And, um, I think that either, Xbox Game Studios or Stadia Games and Entertainment could end up buying them out. I could easily see that happening. Um, 
just because um, with the cinematic storytelling that um, that studio offers, it would be a huge boon to either Microsoft or Google if they choose to acquire them. But um, also, uh, Supermassive Games has an exclusive title for Google Stadia that's in the works, so it would be nice if they strengthened that partnership by just straight up acquiring uh, Supermassive Games. But we'll see. Um, and then next up is uh, Platonic Games, which is the studio behind the ukulele series. Um, and I think that there are two possible uh, game studios that could uh, buy out uh, Platonic. First up is Amazon Game Studios, simply because uh, the ukulele games are on the platform. And I think that maybe ukulele could, you know, become the face of Amazon Luna. Um, that would make a lot of sense. Um, and it would secure a, it would secure a platformer title for Amazon Luna. Um, but also I think Xbox Game Studios or Microsoft could buy them simply because Platonic consists of a lot of former employees of another Xbox studio, Rare. So it would make a lot of sense for Microsoft to bring those developers back into the Xbox fold, especially if they're trying to make another entry in the Banjo-Kazooie franchise, though um, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Please make that happen, Microsoft. Um, please make another Banjo-Kazooie game. Um, we need one. <laughs> at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my thoughts on Platonic Games. Um, and so the next studio that I think could be bought out, um, speaking of platformers, is Playful Studios, which owns the Super Lucky's Tale series. And um, if that doesn't make it obvious, I think that Xbox Game Studios could get it, um, Again, like with Ori, I think it could be the face of Xbox. Um, it would be a more cutesy face of the platform. Um, and Xbox Game Studios is very light on platformers. So I think um, that could definitely benefit them. But another, um, another studio that I think could buy out Playful Studios is Stadia Games and Entertainment, or Google, um, which, I mean, honestly, I think if there's any um, platformer character that could and possibly should become the face of Google Stadia, I think uh, Super Lucky, or just Lucky, is it. Um, so, that, or those are my thoughts on... Uh, Playful Studios, and plus, um, for Google Stadia, it locks in a platformer title for the platform, um, so we don't 
um, particularly uh, have a lot of platformer games on Stadia, um, but it would pretty much lock in a, um, a decent franchise on the platform. And so um, that's, or those are my thoughts on that. Um, and so the next two that I think could be bought out are basically two of the bigger studios on this uh, list. And first up for that would be CD Projekt Red um, with, or, and CD Projekt Red is the developer behind the Witcher series and most recently Cyberpunk 2077. And with the fallout of Cyberpunk 2077 on previous gen consoles last month, um, like it could definitely um, position CD Projekt Red to be acquired. Um, and and I have two possible um, acquisition or acquirers of uh, CD Projekt Red. I think either Xbox Game Studios or Microsoft or um, Stadia Games and Entertainment or Google um, could end up acquiring CD Projekt Red because with Xbox, um, Microsoft definitely spent a lot of um, money to um, to like market CD or to market Cyberpunk 2077. Um, and so I think that CD Projekt Red and Microsoft have a pretty, um, pretty good working relationship. Um, and I think if they extended that relationship into ownership, that would probably work out pretty well for Microsoft. Um, and it would probably change the culture within CD Projekt Red um, to try and separate it from the rest of the CD Projekt group. Um, but another studio that I think could acquire it is Stadia Games and Entertainment because, I mean, despite what um, a lot of people thought would happen, um, Cyberpunk ran very well on Google Stadia. And so I think that Stadia could be interested in acquiring CD Projekt Red. It would give them a very uh, talented studio in Poland. Um, and so um, I think it would just make a whole lot of sense for Stadia to acquire uh, CD Projekt Red just because it's... Um, it was a once loved studio that um, got its reputation tarnished by um, a game that didn't run very well on old hardware. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but I think that if Stadia could um, buy it, it may, you know, try and um, restore that studio's legacy to, or that studio's, um, reputation, um, and possibly, um, you know, enhance 
those games um, with cloud technology. But um, that's just my opinion. Um, let me know yours on social media. And then last but not least um, is probably the biggest, um, probably the biggest uh, developer on this list which is Sega, um, and shout out to Chase, aka The Gaming Advocate, for letting me know that Sega, um, or Sega's parent company, Sega Sammy, um, actually tried to separate the video game division um, from the rest of the company. Um, my guess is probably because it wants to set up that company to be an acquisition target. So, um, and as for Sega, I mean, honestly, it could be a, or it's a toss up for me. Um, any, anyone could, um, end up buying it, whether it's, um, Microsoft, Google, or Amazon, anyone could buy it. Um, so I, I mean, it would be a massive, excuse me, massive win for whichever company um, ends up acquiring Sega um, just because they're home to uh, celebrated franchises like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, um, you have Valkyria Chronicles, you got, um, or you got like Virtua Fighter, you have um, just so many, uh, Streets of Rage, uh, oh man, um, and then you also have, like, the Persona franchise, um, because Sega owns Atlas West, or, well, Sega owns Atlas, period, um, so, yeah, you, um, whoever ends up, uh, buying Sega, um, that would be a massive win for that company, but, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, let me know what your thoughts are on um, my speculation on which studios could be acquired and which studio could acquire um, any of the studios that I mentioned. But um, let me know what your thoughts are. Do you have any different studios in mind that you think could be bought out? I'd love to hear your thoughts on social media or on Discord, and we can continue the conversation there. Um, and it'll be one of the first links below all of the links to this segment. Um, it'll be in the flow page profile um, in the show notes. And then also, um, you could subscribe to our newsletter. Um, we just launched a newsletter this week, so um, enter your email address and you can get updates on the Cells and Circuits podcast in your inbox. But yeah, that's going to do it for this topic. Thank you so much for listening to the Cells and Circuits podcast, the place for tunes, tech, and where they intersect. Let me know what you think of any of the topics discussed on social media or on Discord via the Flow page link 
in the show notes. If you like this content, share it on social media and give it a review to help more people find it. If you want to see even more content just like this, consider supporting Cells and Circuits on Coffee or visiting the Cells and Circuits shop. The Cells and Circuits podcast was written, produced, and edited by me, Chibeze Anacor. Our intro, outro, and transition music was made by Tiffy3. That'll do it for this episode. So until next time, I'm Chibeze signing off.